show the establishment warned you about. And welcome back. This is Dr. Tommy Show live from uh, Lutz, Florida. Your concierge medicine morning show brought to you by Atlas MD, which is the preeminent medical software for medical membership medicine practices across the nation. And if you'd like to learn more about Atlas MD, we encourage you to go to askdrtommy.com and click on special offer for Atlas MD, and then you can use Atlas MD for free for 60 days, like we use every day. And this is the uh, Dr. Tommy Show, which is based out of Tampa, and we like to cover everything that is of interest to us, and hopefully it's of interest to you. And right before we came on the air, I came across something that was of interest to me, because I just got finished talking to one of our new to- <clears throat> patients about it, about low-carb diets, which is all the... Usually it's a, one of the more popular diets because you can eat more than typical diets you think of as calorie restrictive. And a low-carb diet is not calorie restrictive. It's actually, you know, call it calorie uh, liberal. You can do whatever you want with it, really. And this says this from the, this is a WFLA's website, 970 WFLA local Tampa station says, Study says cutting carbs could delay menopause five years. A new study says women who eat fewer carbohydrates can delay the start of menopause by as much as five years. Researchers in Britain found that women who regularly ate, regular, regularly ate meat and fish went into, through menopause nearly a year later on average. Researchers studied 14,000 women over four years and found that those who ate large amounts of rice and pasta were at greatest risk for early menopause. Women who ate plenty of oily fish and beans. That sounds yummy, huh? Oily fish and beans began menopause <laughs> nearly five years later than women who ate carb-rich diets. And this is study published in the Journal of Epidemiology and Community Health. Hmm. Well, we just had a carb, um, well, it wasn't carb-free, but um, we did, we had a, it was taco night kind of like at the house, but um, we did not do flour tortillas, which is what we usually would do, or crunchy tacos. Instead, we did, we used lettuce. It worked good. Mm-hmm. It was very good. Kaylee was looking for the flour tortillas, though. Oh, Kaylee was looking for the, the bread basket. <laughs> I heard her say, I heard you say, well, we're going to use lettuce. And then she went in and she started looking for it. <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah? Not me. You guys can use lettuce. <laughs> I'm going to use flour tortillas. Yeah, she started. She went immediately to the bread basket yeah. and started looking. I'm like, sorry, Kaylee, but there's none in there. We're going to use lettuce. And she ate it and she liked it. She loved it. But and She um, loves her flour. She does. She loves her carbs. Yes, yeah, she does. She loves her carbohydrates. We're, we had a new patient today. It took us extra long. That's why we're on a little bit later. Mm-hmm. But it takes us about two hours to see a new patient. We schedule two hours. Whether... Excuse me. Whether it takes two hours or not, we like to have the time because we don't like to be rushed, unlike your normal practice, which will get you in and out in ten minutes or less, or your or your money's not back. Mm-hmm. We, yeah, that, we keep pa- you in for two hours or block you for two hours. Yeah, and this one ran over a little bit, two and a half hours. But anyway. one of our uh, one of our favorite listeners too is who it was. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but anyway, back to that. I was talking to her about the low carb. <laughs> diet because we were saying talking about she wants to lose weight mm-hmm. and uh, she's not eligible for uh, weight loss medication because of the bmi requirements so she wanted to lose weight fast and i said well i tell you if you follow this diet you will lose weight quick i mean you'll lose weight 
guaranteed. Whether it's mm-hmm. fast or not depends, but you're going to lose weight guaranteed, and that's the low-carb, low-sugar diet that Dr. Radley Griffin likes to talk about on his uh, podcast that he does. And um, gave her the handout, but I tell her, I told her, I said you have to be prepared because for the first week you will have a headache after you've done this severe car- calorie restriction, carb restriction. Mm-hmm. I don't, I have not. Well, I did do Atkins before in the past. Um, it's been years ago, but I did lose ten pounds in one week. Do you remember having a headache? No, but I do remember my sugar, having issues with my sugar, and I felt... Um, felt weird? I felt... Uh, I had fatigue. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, my I friend felt- that was helping me with it was like, eat a, um, a good carb, something, you know, to get your sugar up a little bit, not a chocolate candy bar or anything. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I ate an apple, mm-hmm. and it did help me, and that's what I would do. I'd eat a small apple for that, you know... So the theory behind low-carb diets, if you're not familiar, is that your body runs on glucose and fat, predominantly for energy. And if you have glucose in abundance, your body will use that preferentially and then store it if it's in excess. So if you drink a Coke, for instance, and your body doesn't need all that glucose, your body will store it. And it will store it as glycogen, which is a sugar molecule, and also store it as fat. And it can only store so much glycogen. And so what you'll see is people who are eating lots of sugar become fat because their body stores it very efficiently. The other way is to burn fat for energy. And so your body, if you have fat, your body will use fat. So when you go on a low-carb diet, your body's starved for glucose, relatively speaking. And then your body does what is called uh, lipo, lipo uh, lipolysis. So, so it takes fat and takes it and turns it into energy in the form of ketone bodies. <laughs> I'm giggling. Because- Why? <laughs> Uh, you're talking about this carb, low carb diet. And I, I just recall that the patient this morning mm-hmm. told me that it looked like you had lost weight. Me? Yeah, but it looked like my butt had got bigger. Oh, <laughs> interesting. I was like, well, thank you so much. Your hair looks grayer, by the way. <laughs> you look like you're, uh, yeah, a little fatter too. <laughs> but yeah, so if you burn ketones instead of glucose, then you'll be burning up your fat. So when you go into a low carb diet, your body doesn't have as much glucose to use so then you use fat turn it into ketones and away you go but back to my point is you will have a headache during that transition period so beware buyer beware if anybody wants to have that recipe email me and we'll send it out to you uh, just go to the askdrtommy.com click on email at the bottom of the web page uh, what else is there I'm trying to see what else to talk about there's so much stuff in the media it's kind of I noticed that you printed out the thing about Miralax. Yeah, so you want to go over that? Well, Mike, um, you know, Kaylee, actually Madison was on Miralax as a child and didn't have any problems, but Kaylee was on Miralax. Parents warn popular over-the-counter medications sicken their children. This is from uh, WRIC, and this was on the internets, on the interwebs, on NBC. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Kaylee had a bout of hypertension when, um, I And mean, it's off, off-label use. Well, for children. Yeah. I mean, I have, I've really never read, you know, the label and this shocks me that it says the label says 17, not for use under 17 years old. Well, the reason for that is the FDA requires that you study uh, certain drugs in order to be approved and mm-hmm. different. Well, this article that uh, you printed, this one child was having ticks and tremors, mm-hmm. and he was already developmentally delayed, apparently, mm-hmm. but it worsened when he was on Miralax. Now, this child was taking five, the doctor recommended five capsules a day. That seems to be 
a a little, that's extreme to me. You're supposed to do one, right? Just one capful. It's like 17 grams. Yeah. Um, this child was, the, the gastroenterologist recommended five capfuls a day yeah, for a like two-year-old. At first, it was half a cap, half a cap full, but that seems un, uh, ridiculous to me. Um, uncontrollable ticks, uh, throat clearing. Anyway, the, the like Tourette's. I know. Doesn't it sound like that? Mm-hmm. And anyway, they noticed a huge change in their uh, grandchild. When they stopped it. Well, well, a huge change during oh, while okay. she was taking the Miralax, and then yes, after five years of taking Miralax, they took their child off. And even though there was still some, you know, developmental delay, it wasn't as bad. The tremors and ticks went away. And I know when Kaylee was on Miralax, I was complaining to my girlfriend Jody about Kaylee. Kaylee had to have, um, and what she have an echocardiogram mm-hmm. and was going in for blood pressure checks and she, you know, she was running high and my girlfriend had sent me an article back then because everyone knows that everyone says that Miralax is completely safe to take. Yeah. But I, she had sent me some other articles where, where parents were telling or uh, complaining about it causing hypertension. And then this new article was just, I think printed today. So Miralax is not as safe as, uh, you know, one would think. So this is on, well, Potentially, yeah, because of you, what you said, and this, what this says here is um, that it can cause a problem. And there's actually a, a Facebook group called Parents Against Miralax. Mm-hmm. It has more than twenty five thousand members. These parents believe the drug's active ingredient, polyethylene glycol, or PEG three three five zero, is triggering the neuropsychiatric issues. It's a toxic substance, claims Kohler, who is one of the people that is. Against it, Mike Kohler of Wisconsin. I mean, I will tell you though, it, it you know it worked for Kaylee and it worked for Madison, but and I did give it to her one time the other day, I guess about a couple weeks ago. But um, yeah, I should we should just throw that bottle away that we have at home. Why? I don't know. It just seems like we shouldn't use it at all. Well, people can use it older than seven. You never have a problem well, with it. You can use it. I don't think I've it. ever used it, or maybe I have. I, I don't, don't know. need it. I don't need it. This is what Mike Kohler says. Our son started Miralax at age four back in 2009. Uh, Bradley, his son's Bradley. Bradley was on it for almost five years. During that time, Kohler says his little boy changed drastically and even developed seizures. He went from being a very normal child to a very abnormal child. All of a sudden, we were getting referrals to a psychiatrist. In the fine print of the label, Miralax and the generic are not recommended for children under 17 and label limits used to seven days. The pediatrician didn't tell me. The gastroenterologist, gastroenterologist didn't tell me. When it became a prescription and the insurance started to cover it, the pharmacist never told me. It's really troublesome. The medical community can just prescribe this drug like water on our children, Kohler added. Well, I mean, I used it for both my girls, and I've never, I've never read the label either. I've only read the directions, which is usually a capful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had no idea that it was not intended for use under the age of 17. Yeah. This is what Bayer says. Miralax is an FDA approved over the counter laxative that treats occasional constipation, applies to individuals 17 years and older up to seven days. Consumers are directed to ask doctor about longer use than seven days or in children 16 years or younger. Well, it's just something to keep in mind. Yeah, it is. And you know, Kaylee, I, when I <laughs> took off the Miralax, she was taking it every day. Her hypertension went away. Interesting. Who's sending children to college? We are. We are in the next few months. We are. And if you're sending your child to Texas, you think of Texas as the frontier, rugged individualism, used to be a republic, fought off 
the Mexicans in the Alamo mm-hmm. and just a model of, you know, Daniel Boone and David Crockett and all those rugged guys. But there's a problem too with too much of that. And University of Texas has a program that is dealing with masculinity and it's toxic masculinity. Uh-oh. And this is from pjmedia.com hat tip blunt force truth podcast with Chuck Woolery. University of Texas to treat masculinity as a medical health issue. This is from PJ Media on April 27th. The Counseling and Mental Health Center at the University of Texas at Austin recently launched a new program to help male students, quote, take control over their gender identity and develop a healthy sense of masculinity. Treating masculinity as if it were a mental health crisis, masculinity, that's masculine with UT on the end, is organized by the school's counseling staff and most recently organized a poster series encouraging students to develop a, quote, healthy model of masculinity. The program is predicated on the critique of so-called restrictive masculinity. Men, the program argues, suffer when they are told to act like a man or when they are encouraged to fulfill traditional gender roles such as being successful or the breadwinner. What? There's a picture right there you're seeing if you're watching this on YouTube. You know, I'm masculine. Says, I can wear makeup. It's a, it's a man, boy, boy, man. I think it's a boy or man in a outfit. And then over his outfit, there is drawn in what looks like a dress with a big bow on it. And underneath it says, even though I'm masculine, I can wear makeup. And if I feel like it, wearing a dress, I can do that too. And it's totally fine. And there's a club for this now, or is it a class? No, this is a counseling center. Oh, wow. It's a program at the counseling center. Anyway, so just keep that in mind if you're going to UT, that there's a safe space for you if you are not the traditional alpha male that may be causing you to have distress. Don't worry. Go to UT, join the masculinity program, and then... You'll feel safe. Just another thing. Another thing I was going to talk about was um, another thing having to do with college. Oh, it's talking about college is on campus. And I noticed this when I was at uh, school that if you're on campus, there's a pretty much, what you call it, progressive uh, tilt to the the, uh, university faculty. And um, it's just something that you have to deal with. And you have to be prepared for. But um, this, this is article that's on uh, DailySignal.com. How few Republicans are on college faculties. Um, it's talking about, uh, where's the number here? There's a something like a 50 to 1 uh, ratio of, quote unquote, Democrats to Republicans in, this, in the faculty of the anthropology department. Why do you think that is? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, where is it? Uh Maybe I printed the wrong article. Anyway, they were talking about the anthropology department of this college, and they said that there was a 50 to 1 ratio of Democrats to Republicans. So maybe there's one Republican. I don't know how many people in our anthropology department. Um, I think I know one person. We know one person, right? Becca. Yeah. yeah. But if it gets back, it gets back to, uh, oh, here it is. Engineering departments have a 1.6 for every Republican. Okay. Chemistry and economic departments have 5.5 Democrats for every Republican. The situation is especially bad in anthropology departments where the Democrat-Republican ratio is 133 to 1, and in communications departments, which is 108 to 0, 
which is infinity if you do that. What is it again? What's the number? That is in communication departments, 108 to zero. This is at the uh, colleges. This blah blah blah. I'm sorry, I didn't. Brooksdale Community College. Anyway, some college. Anyway, the article's how how here's how few Republicans are on college faculties. And this is DailySignal.com. Anyway, it's just an illustration of the point that there is a skewed uh, persuasion of faculty members in college. But why is that important? Well, let's say that you want to develop a well-rounded child and you send your child to college. Do you want your child to be indoctrinated or do you want your child to develop their own opinions? Mm-hmm. Nico, I'll, I'll give you an example. Nico, he's, he's at uh, Santa Fe and he's in a classroom, and they are constantly trying to um, get him to agree with same-sex marriage. And it's um, actually, I think it's a, um, I don't know what the class is called, but it's it's a marriage class that mm-hmm. he's forced to take. And he doesn't say much in there because he feels like he cannot really give his opinion because he disagrees with the rest of the class. So, and, so instead so, of talking about it, if they're not talking about it, really. They just shut him down. Yeah. So same-sex marriage. So this is an 18-year-old you, you know? kid. Nin- he's 19 19-year-old kid. He's here going to college. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you say, you know, wouldn't you say, why don't we talk about different things? And instead of just saying, hey, this is, the here's your, you could show up with a, here's your talking points, basically. Start learning these. This is what... And that's not what college is about. Yeah, well, I mean, he's like, of course, you know, why can't we talk about all, t- you know, uh, man and woman marriage? And then, of course, we, I'm sure if you want to talk about same-sex marriage as well, but he says they focus so much on same-sex marriage, and and he doesn't necessarily believe in that. And that's fine. Everyone has their own beliefs. But, uh, yeah, he doesn't feel comfortable being able to discuss his opinion. This is on college campus. This is in college campus, yes. So if you're sending your kid off to college and you think they're just going to be develop their own way of thinking and they're going to grow. It's not necessarily true. So you have to be careful if you're sending your kids off to college that you make sure you prepare them to say, look, you know, this is the way it is. You you have to develop your own thoughts on it. That's right. You have to explore. Mm-hmm. And, and there is a time in people's lives, believe it or not, mm-hmm. where they actually change the way they think. Mm-hmm. And so it's not meant to be a place where you just go and get this rigid indoctrination and then suddenly, if you go beyond that, then you get shouted down. But that's what goes on college campuses. You see the videos that we see? Yes. These uh, totalitarian-type children. Mm-hmm. And what does that lead to? Well, the Dr. Orient, is, this is an article from uh, World Net Daily. This is from Dr. Jane Orient, who is the executive director of the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons. And this is from May 2018. It says... The totalitarian side to a, quote, right to health care. Dr. Orient writes, a right to health care is a seductive idea many Americans accept without thinking, but we need to take a closer look at what this means. The total program being pushed by the right to health care cheerleaders, primarily Democrats, is full of mandates. Mm-hmm. A mandate means that you have no right to opt out, especially possibly, except possibly through some limited exceptions. It starts with controlling the money, but in increasingly involves your body, the treatments you may receive, the ones you may not have, the ones you must take, especially vaccines. And she goes through a list. It says, it's little known news that seniors have no right to turn down Medicare Part A unless they forego all Social Security benefits. How is that right? Yeah. So if you want 
if you want to have Social Security. The money that you paid in. Supposedly. That they're saving for you in this tiny little right. bank account. Now, if you want to get that, then you have to also accept Medicare Part A. Right. And that's why one of our patients who's 70 years old. Says forget it. Doesn't have either. He's not getting either yeah, right now. Because he prefer to stay working. Uh Okay, under the Affordable Care Act, uh, Americans have no right to opt out of costly minimum essential benefits or buy a low-cost catastrophic-only plan. Uh, a patient enrolled in Medicaid has no right to choose how to use his benefit. Insured patients have no right. Insured patients and managed care enrollees have no right to go outside of their network without facing a financial penalty. So this is something where you know you could go on campus and they say, "Well, look, you're in the health class now. We're going to talk about health care." And then someone says, well, I don't think healthcare is a right. Then potentially they'd be shouted down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like Nico. He says he is just trying to get through the class without saying anything because it's easier. You know, they're not going to be able to change his mind. But I know that a lot of kids, you could, you know, you potentially could change oh, yeah. their mind, of course. Um, but, you know, he's not, he's just like, I just want to get through this class and get it over with. And that's sad because, like I said, he's a 19-year-old kid. What what is the what is the right of these uh, bully faculty members to mm-hmm. bully him into thinking a certain way, or mm-hmm. when he tries to offer opinion that's different from them, for them to then join the uh, what it sounds like the majority, and or or maybe it's a quiet majority. Maybe mm-hmm. there isn't a majority. Maybe the others are just too fearful to say anything. Mm-hmm. That happens too. Yeah. And that is the ultimate. Well, imagine if you're in a classroom of, let's say, 40 people yeah. and 38 people feel differently than you. Yeah. You know, the, the, the two that's And imagine like, for now that it's not about uh, same-sex marriage. Mm-hmm. Imagine it's about maybe health care. Mm-hmm. And maybe you choose to say, I want to pay a doctor directly. And someone mm-hmm. says, well, if you pay a doctor directly, then you're getting out of the right to health care movement. Well, what's the right to healthcare movement? Well, that movement is that we all have a right to healthcare and the government's going to assign us a provider and we're not going to have to pay for it. Well, I don't want that. Mm-hmm. I would rather just pay for my own. Well, then you're against the rights to healthcare. Mm-hmm. Who are you? You're a bigot. Mm-hmm. That means you want poor people to die and you want to just choose your own doctor. What do you think you are? Mm-hmm. It's funny. It's Isn't it strange how they can go and twist your words around and make yeah. you um, think differently or not think mm-hmm. differently, but you're like, no, that's not my, those were not my yeah. intentions. That's a straw man argument. That's the, yeah. if you're ever facing someone and they, and they take your, take, so it's like, say, look, I think we should have, um, I think we should have steak for dinner tonight. And then you say, well, I don't think we should have steak. We should have salad. I said, well, I like steak. Oh, so you're saying that animals should just be killed for no reason mm-hmm. and just serve to you whenever you want? Mm-hmm. No, I just said I want steak. No, that's what you're saying when you say you want steak. That's mm-hmm. a straw man argument. Mm-hmm. And that's a popular thing because what they usually do is they'll inject something that seems so outlandish but easy to force most people to agree on. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, uh, you know, I, I think uh, that there should be uh, people should be able to choose to go to see a concierge medicine doctor if they want. Oh, so you're saying that only the rich people should have health care. Mm-hmm. No, I said that people should be able to choose to go to concierge medicine if they want. Oh, but that's what you're saying. Concierge medicine is only for the rich. And then before you know it, they're 10 miles down the road running their mouth. Yes, I've got I, I pretty much I keep my mouth shut. I've been into arguments with people that, you know, I say one thing and they are saying that, no, what you're saying is this. And you know what? It, it ended up gets to where they're name calling yeah, and they are, verbal, the they're thing. aggressive. So the first thing that'll happen if someone's got an argument and they're not skilled at using their own um, facts or whatever, or they can't mm-hmm. form their opinion well, first one, straw man, boom. Mm-hmm. So you, you got your cards. You're like, let's have an argument. 
And then they they have an argument that, you know, you're, you're trying to argue against. So you throw down the straw man card. You play that one for a little bit. Mm. And then that one gets played out and you're on to the next hand. You're like, okay, now I'm going to throw down the ad hominem attack. Yeah. Oh, well, you're just a racist then. Oh, see that? Then the other player is like, oh, man, got no cards to play against yeah. this because they just keep throwing them. Boom. Yeah, boom, they want boom. you to think just like them. They're, they don't. They want everyone to have the, the same opinion, the same feelings, the same values, you know, everything the same. And if you disagree, watch out. Back to that. Did you hear about the controversy with Kanye West? Did you know? Did you probably didn't even know anything about this? I don't know. No, so Kanye know. West apparently came out and said that he is uh, not anti-Trump. Not only is he anti-Trump, but some of the things that Trump says he agrees with. I do with. know about that because he took a picture with Trump recently, right? I don't know. I did see the picture of him and Trump together where he said he was a Trump supporter. But he has been vilified now in the quote-unquote... Because they prefer him to hate him. Yes, in the, in the quote-unquote uh, media or whoever, celebrity establishment. He has been uh, vilified now as a sellout because in their mind, Trump is bad if you are what they call black or brown person. So they like to lump everybody together based on their skin color. I don't know what color I'd be. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm included. I don't know. Anyway, you're kind of more towards a darkie. Yes. Yeah, so maybe that's, you know, I'm a part of the people who should be. Mm-hmm. So anyway, black or brown, you know, uh, Kanye says, you know, I, I think Trump is okay. Maybe. And boy, they just ran him through the ringer. Mm-hmm. I've seen a little bit of that. Yeah. So it's just one of those things that uh, we're dealing with now. That's about it. We covered the majority of what I want to talk about. Uh, this week, we're also got a new ad. I didn't show it. Maybe I should show it. Oh, yeah. I'll show it next week. Can you week. pull it up? I can't pull it up right now. Okay. Anyway, we're doing a, uh, we did a new uh, uh, ad because of the concierge medicine program that we have for businesses. And it basically is to allow local businesses here to utilize our services, which include our membership medicine, but also uh, discounted labs, discounted medications, and then convenience of offering insurance-free medical care without weights. And if you're interested in learning more about that, go mm-hmm. to uh, tampadirectcare.com and click on business plans, and uh, you'll be able to see what we have to offer. And that's for local businesses. The song of the week this week is from... The Firm, which is a group that was made by Paul Rogers of Bad Company, Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin, uh, Chris Slade, who later played with Asia and a few other groups, and Tony Franklin, who's a session musician bassist. And this is called Satisfaction Guaranteed from 1985. If you'd like to learn more about our practice, go to tamperdirectcare.com, go to askdrtommy.com for more Dr. Tommy stuff, and then also subscribe on YouTube and iTunes and click the bell if you want to be notified on YouTube. And until next time, bye-bye.